Okay, so what you guys need to know this weekend is that the, the focus is the church. I don't think it's talked about it nearly enough. I know we go to church, we go to these events, but what really is the church? And so we're gonna look at what is the church? Why should any of us care? Why should any of us give two cents to what the church is? Why should we like even, why should we go? Why should we be a part, well, any of that? So this weekend and tonight, we're gonna answer a lot of these questions of, of what is the church and why should I care? But before we get into that, I wanna tell you a quick story. So many of you guys know that I used to live in the Northwest, right? I used to live in Washington. I used to live in Seattle, Washington. And I love that place more than anywhere else in the entire country. I love you guys. But I love, love, love Seattle, Washington. So I know you haven't been there. Most of you haven't been there. But I want to visually take you there. And so I want you to close your eyes. I want you to imagine what I described to you. Imagine that you are walking through a rainforest. It is green and it is a little bit damp and you can hear the birds chirping. You can hear the frogs ribbiting and it's a little bit wet and you've got rivers and creeks all next to you and you're climbing this mountain. Are you guys visualizing it with me? Okay, and you're climbing this mountain and it's the most beautiful scenery you have ever seen in your life and you're climbing higher and higher and higher and you finally get to the summit and you look to the right and you see the Pacific Ocean and it is beautiful and it is real rocky beaches and you've got cliffs that are just insane. And then you look to your left and you've got the biggest, baddest mountains of your dreams. Like literally the craziest jagged cliffs and they're all covered in snow. The tops of them are snow covered and you're like, oh my goodness, this is unbelievable. And the further you look, you see a desert. And you're like, behind, behind the, these mountains, you've got a desert. And it's got these massive canyons, like the Grand Canyon. And then in these mountains, before, just before the desert, you've got volcanoes and you've got waterfalls and the most biggest and most beautiful waterfalls you can picture. And then standing right next to you, you're like, how did I miss this? You've got a hot spring. It's just like a natural hot tub. The water's so clear that you are ready just to dive on in. All right, you can open your eyes. That's the Northwest. Like that is literally what I got to call home for a couple of years, and it is drop-dead gorgeous. Can you show them a picture? Okay. So, so this is Mount Rainier. This is Mount Rainier. What you need to know is this is one of the most active volcanoes in the entire United States outside of Alaska. It is crazy. I've summited this. I've been to the very top of this. It is the most drop-dead gorgeous mountain in all of Washington, and it stands above all other peaks in the entire state. And so what you need to know here is that everyone loves, you go to the Northwest, you fall in love with it. It is hard to not. And yes, it rains a lot, but that's okay because you get things like this and it is drop-dead gorgeous. But what most people don't know is that because this is the most active volcano, we get, and it sits right on the tectonic plates, if y'all know what that is, we get a lot of, and California is most, mostly notorious, notorious for its earthquakes. We actually get a number of earthquakes in Washington. And it has a lot to do with the activity of this mountain. And so I don't know how it all plays out, but we get a lot of earthquakes. And when I lived there, we had more earthquakes. This was more active than it had been in the last 25 years. And so scientists and geologists will tell you that it's only a matter of time until an earthquake hits Seattle or hurts Washington, that it will literally be so severe that the entire west side of Seattle, all the way to the coast, will drop off the planet, like drop off into the ocean. It is gonna cut the sea of Washington so severely that it'll just fall off into the ocean. All those mountains, all those rivers, all those waterfalls, it is just gonna collapse it all. And so when I worked there, I worked in a tower. 
We had 80 stories right downtown Seattle, and we were almost at the very top of it. And so when earthquakes would hit, man, that building would sway, and those windows would shake and rattle, and everyone's like, hold on, this is it! Because like everyone knows that it's only one earthquake away from all of us just falling to the ground. Like we are going under, and we're just like, is this it, is this it? Like, hold on tight, and we kind of joke about it, because we're all okay, right? I mean, I made it out alive, so nothing too bad happened to me, but that was the joke. But it wasn't always funny. Some earthquakes were more severe than others, but none of them were so severe that anything super damaging ever happened, thankfully. But it made me think about the first time I ever felt an earthquake. Have you guys ever felt an earthquake? Anybody? Okay, we got a couple. We got a couple. There was actually an earthquake right here in Chesapeake, Virginia. Do y'all remember that? Some of you were born, some of you weren't, probably. I don't know when it was. I was in high school. All I know is I was in high school and we had an earthquake right here in this very town. And what I realized is that, yes, it was scary. I was home with my brother and it sounded like a brick went through our window. I was like, what was that? And I didn't know the windows were all fine. And so I turned on the TV and looked at the news like earthquake hits Virginia. Like it never happens. It never happens. But what I realized about earthquakes is that it's a whole lot harder for an earthquake to do a lot of damage when it happens or when it hits a really firm foundation. When there's a solid foundation underneath, an earthquake isn't going to do nearly as much to it as it will a place with a really rocky foundation, a really shallow foundation. And so when you look at what earthquakes do to California and to Washington and other parts of the world, it is devastating, right? It is tragic. But that's because its foundation isn't all that strong. And so next thing you know, it's like these things will just come to an end. These things will fall to the ground. It is doomsday for so many people. But as I thought about this is so true with our faith is that if our faith is not set on a solid foundation, it is so easy for someone to come in or something really tragic to happen in our lives and our faith just to fall apart because we don't have anything to hold on to. It's just our, our faith lacks a solid foundation. So guys, that's why we're talking about the church tonight because the church, and then write this down, the church is an essential part of our faith. The church is a, an essential foundation to our faith. And so as you know that, as, you, like, as we build upon this foundation, I wanna ask a couple of questions. And we're gonna go back to the church now. Has anyone ever asked the question, do I have to go to church today? Yeah, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you have asked this question before. Mom, do I have to go to church today? Man, I think every hand in this room should be raised because I know you guys, y'all are middle schoolers. All you wanna do is sleep in. Maybe that was just me, okay. But have you ever asked the question, well, why do I have to go to church? Any hands? Raise your hand if you've ever asked, that's it? Okay, that's surprising to me. Okay, maybe you've only asked this question to yourself. Maybe you've never asked it at all. Has anyone ever asked, well, what good is the church? No. Okay, good. Good. Whether you've asked it or not, I think this is a really important question for us to be able to answer because like, why should we care about the church? Why is this important? Because when I was in middle school, I was like, mom and dad, do I have to go to church today? And they're like, yes, get in the car. No questions asked, you're going. And then I'd be like, well, why do I have to go to church? I went to church yesterday or last week. I went to church on Wednesday. You're making me go again? This is the last place I wanna go right now. And then I began to just, even as a middle schooler, I was asking, well, why, like, what good is the church? Why should I care about the church? And so as we talk about this, the most important question that I think we can ask, more importantly than do I have to go to church, why? is well, we need to understand like, what is the church? And so I want you to write that down. It's like, what is the church, question mark? What is the church? 
Because if we can't have an understanding of what this definition is, then the rest of it doesn't make sense. You guys following along with that? Like we need to have a foundation of what the church is. And so before I go any further, I want you to answer this question. Go ahead and write down what you think the church is. What is your own definition? And don't talk to your neighbor. Don't add, don't look over and kind of cheat over. What are you writing? You can tell me. What are you writing? If you don't know, think about it. And once you have it written, look up at it. Okay, I'm seeing a lot of eyes, so I'm gonna keep going. And if you haven't finished, just continue on, just then just catch up as we, as we listen. But being able to answer this question is so, so important. And so I'm not gonna ask you what you wrote because I would love for you to be able to talk about this in your breakouts with your groups. It's like, hey, this is what I thought the church was. This is what I thought, like how I defined it. And this is what I learned the church to actually be. And so I encourage you guys to talk about that in your groups after this. But before, like some of you guys may be like, I mean, I got it. I got the best definition of the church that has ever been written known to man. And I am so proud of it. Others of you are like, I got no idea. And that's okay too, because my prayer for all of us in the room tonight is that regardless of whether you are right or whether you are wrong or whether you just don't know, is that we leave here this weekend having an, a stronger and more accurate view of the church and why it matters to our lives. And so before I tell, before I tell you what the church is and what I find that definition to be in scripture, I wanna tell you what the church isn't. And so go ahead and say that and write down the church is not dot, 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 or the church is not one, two, three. The church is not, and this is point number one. The church is not a building. The church is not a building. Jesus Christ did not come to earth to save us, to, di- to, to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, to save a building. He could care less about a building. Okay, point number two, the church is not an institution. It is not a company. It is not a business that is trying to profit. It is not a business that's trying to take all of your money. So it's not a, it's not a building. It is not an institution. And point number three is this. The church is not a place you go, nor is it an event that you attend. The church is not the plate, a place we go, nor is it an event we attend. And some of you are probably wondering, well, what are you talking about? Yes, it is. I absolutely disagree with you because I go to River Oak Church. I go to some other church. I go to church on Sunday. I go to a specific place. And what are you talking about? It's not an event. Yes, it is. Because I'm, I'm like, I'm at a retreat right now. I go to a specific Sunday school class. I go to a Bible study. I go to Harbor, right? That is an event. I go to camp every single summer. That's an event. So how is that not the church? Well, I'm here to tell you it's not. It's not a building. It's not an institution. It's not a place we go, nor does an event we attend. And here's why I say that. is because tonight we're gonna look at the very first church ever in existence. So go ahead and open your Bibles to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two. And what we're gonna read through, and to give you some context, is that Peter, the disciple of Jesus, literally just gave the biggest sermon, this biggest message of his entire life. You see, Peter, Peter literally just spoke to thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And what we found here, you find here, is that nearly 3,000 of them, nearly 3,000 people have come to put their faith in Jesus. And this is a huge ordeal. So picture this. Once you get to Acts chapter two, picture yourself in this scenario. You are in this like massive field or hillside and you are surrounded by thousands of thousands of people who are listening to this man give a message and and there's a call to respond. And you watch thousands of people give their lives to Christ. And that's exactly what's happening here. And so you've got old believers or new believers that are being paired with old believers and the very first church ever in history is established. 
And so once you get to Acts chapter two, I want you to take your pens because I'm gonna ask you to highlight or underline or circle a couple of words, okay? And so here we go. It's gonna be Acts chapter two and we're gonna start in verse 41 and then we're gonna jump around just a little bit, but I'll tell you what that looks like. And so this is what we find in Acts chapter two, verse 41. It says, those who believed, and go ahead and underline or circle the word believed. Go ahead and, those who believed were baptized. So and go ahead and underline or circle the word baptized. And added to the church, go ahead and underline church. So we've got those who believed were baptized and added to the church that day. Verse 42, and they joined, go ahead and underline or circle the word joined. So they joined with other believers and committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. And all that means is they committed themselves to the word of God, to studying the word of God together. And to fellowship. And so go ahead and underline or circle the word fellowship. And then to sharing in meals and to prayer, go ahead and underline or circle the word prayer. And then jump to verse 46. In verse 46, it says they worship together. So go ahead and underline the word worships together or circle it or highlight it or whatever you've got with you. They worshiped together regularly at the temple and met in homes for communion. Go and underline the word communion or circle the word communion and shared their meals with great joy and thankfulness. And this is what we read in 47, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who are being saved. Okay, so I'm gonna reread that kind of without the stopping to help it make sense for everybody. And it says this, those who believed were baptized and added to the church that day. And they joined with other believers and committed themselves to the apostles' teaching and, they, and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. And verse 46, they worshiped together regularly at the temple. They met in homes for communion and they shared their meals with great joy and thankfulness, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number the day by day, those who were being saved. So I want us to look at these words. These are key words. Every word in this passage is matters, but there are key words here that I want us to look at. We've got believed, baptized, joined, worshiped, fellowship, prayer, communion. They ate together. Guys, they, these people, they just live life together. And that is a picture of the church. And that's what you guys need to know is that these people, these thousands of people live life together. And so now that you know the church is not a building, that is not an institution, that it's not in a, pl- a place you go or an event you attend. It's simply this. This is the church. The church is a group of baptized believers who have joined together in a commitment to help each other fulfill God's purpose for their lives. So I'm gonna say that again for us. And I know it's right up there. I don't want you to get so caught up in just writing down everything that's on the screen because I want you guys to get this. It's that this is the church. The church is a group of baptized believers who have joined together in a commitment to help each other fulfill God's purpose for our lives. Can you guys read that or say that with me? On the count of three, I want you to look up and I want you to read this with me because this is crucial that we understand this because this is our foundation. Just like we're talking about those tectonic plates with Seattle just being dropped off the face of the planet. I don't want that to be you guys. I want us to have a solid foundation on who Jesus is and why the church matters. And so we need to get this. On the count of three, let's read this together. Three, two, one. The church is a group of baptized believers who have joined together in a commitment to help each other fulfill God's purpose for our lives. Guys, this purpose, this purpose that it's talking, that I'm talking about here is, is the gospel, is to go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like, it is to go. 
make disciples. For it doesn't matter what career you have. I don't care if you're a doctor or a lawyer or a maid or a plumber or a professional sports athlete or a model. It doesn't matter what your career is 20 years from now because your mission stays the same and it is to make disciples. Our mission as the church is to make disciples. So this is the church. And so now that we know the foundation of the church and and what the church is, what you need to know is that the church is the most important group of people on earth. Do you know that? The church is the most important group of people to have ever walked the planet. Crazy, right? It's absolutely crazy. But this is so crazy cool at the end of the day because we are the church as a body of believers. And so literally, we're the only people commissioned by God. We're the only people sent by God. Sorry. We're the only people sent by God to literally change the world, change the world and advance the kingdom. No other group on earth has ever been given that task or that responsibility. It is solely the church. It's not TikTok. It's not Snapchat. It's not Instagram. They may rule the world, yes, from a technological standpoint, but they have never been given this, this mission to go and change the world and advance the kingdom. That is only the church. So this is why the church is a big deal. This is why we need to understand this. And so knowing that we're the only group that's been sent by God himself to change the world, I can confidently say we are the most powerful force in the world. Seriously, I know that's a bold statement to say we are the most powerful force in the world, but it's serious. And I hope it excites you because as a believer, you're like, man, I didn't realize that. I know when I was just, if someone had told me I'm like part of the group that's the most powerful force in the world, I would have said get lost. So there's no way. But this is the truth and this is the foundation of the gospel is knowing that we are commissioned by God to change the world and advance the kingdom, that we are the most powerful force in the world. And I can say that confidently because we are, as a church, part of God's family. We are part of God's family. And I know that because of what we read in 1 Peter. As God's family, what we read in 1 Peter is that God has given us the privilege of being born again so that we are now members of his own family. We are members of God's family. Guys, it is a privilege to be in a relationship with Jesus. It is a privilege to be a son and daughter of the king. It is a privilege to know him as our Lord. And it is a privilege to be a part of his family. And so as we understand this, as we come to a fullness of of the church, it is essential that we understand that we are the most powerful force in the world because we are part of God's family. Do you not think God takes care of his family? He absolutely does. And as the church, God will, his promises in scripture tell us that he will equip us more than anybody else on earth to advance the kingdom and change the world. That's just the honest truth. And so because of that truth, we are the most powerful force in the world and the most important person, important group of people to have ever walked the planet. Like that should fire you up because that is the most exciting thing as we build a foundation upon what is the church? Why does the church matter? It's because of these things. Because no one else has ever been given that responsibility. And so how do we live this out? I want us to look back at what we saw, how the first church did it. Because this is essential. Go back to Acts chapter two. You got your Bibles open in Acts chapter two. We're gonna read back in verse 42. And this is what we find is that they joined with other believers. So those new believers joined with older believers and, and they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they just committed themselves. All these thousands of people committed themselves to studying God's word. Like that's part of the church. That's part of what it means to be the church. And so they then committed themselves to the fellowship. And so they understood what was going on in each other's lives. And as we learn about why we should care about the church, this is, these are aspects that we need to care about. 
They committed themselves to the fellowship with one another and sharing in meals and to prayer and praying for the lost. And they worship together regularly. It's important that we worship together regularly, guys. It's important that we have that time before this message to worship. And it's not just about singing songs. It's about a lifestyle of worship. It's about how we respond to our friends. It's about how we love our parents. It is a life of worship. And so these people committed themselves to worshiping regularly in the temples and met in homes for communion. There are two things that separate the church from other Christian organizations. Two things that separate the church from Young Life, from InterVarsity, from other Christian groups that you guys may have heard of or will one day. And it is that there are pastors and there's communion. Okay, and you guys need to know that as you mature and as you grow up in your own faith, those are things that separate the church from any other Christian organization that you'll come across. Is that there are pastors and elders and there's communion. And so these people did this. They, they shared and they met in their homes for communion and they shared their meals with great joy. Because these people lived life together. That's a picture of the church. They lived life and they cared for one another. Do you think the modern church looks like this? What do y'all think? No. Yes? Okay. So-so? Man, I don't know that it does. I know in a lot of ways it does, but it is not in its fullness. And we're going to look at why that is tomorrow morning. Because we all have a part to play in this and making the church what it is. And so, but I know the churches can be a place full of hurt sometimes. I know some of you may have been hurt by the church at some point or another. I know a lot of people have a lot of strong feelings of whether or not they're going to go to the church. I know some people's parents, some of your parents may even say, man, I don't want to go to church. I'm going to send you to church, but I'm not going to go to church because it's not for me. And so I know the church can be a place of hurt, but that just because that's how they feel about it doesn't mean that's how it's supposed to be. And so each and every single one of us have a responsibility of making the church what it's supposed to be, which is what we see here. It is a church, it is a group of people who love together, who live life together, who share in meals together, who worship together, who pray together, who reach the lost together. Guys, this is the church. And so in, to the Christians in the room, when you were born again, when you became a Christian, when you accepted Christ for your first, when, when you accepted Christ, not just for your first time, but when you accepted Christ, I mean, you were born into this community. Peter tells us that. And what you need to know, and this is a huge key point, is that you cannot fully love Christ without fully loving his church. Do y'all get that? You cannot fully love Christ without fully loving his church. So what you need to know by that is that the church is not about you. There's no part about the church that is about you. The church is in existence because it's all about Christ. Every little piece of the church matters because it's about Jesus, not about your feelings. Because guys, if you were like me in middle school, I mean, sometimes you just didn't feel like going to church. Am I right? Sometimes you wake up on Sunday mornings and all you want to do is sleep in really late. And then you want to have a big breakfast and then stay in your PJs all day, sit on the couch, watch a movie, play Xbox and call it a day. Am I right? No? Am I right? Okay, some of you are shaking your heads no, and I'm I'm happy about that. But for some others, no, you better believe that is the case because the last thing I want to do on a Sunday morning at 8 a.m. is get my church clothes on and go to church. And I know you guys can relate to that. Not all of you guys, but I know for some of you guys, I'm speaking your language. Am I right? Okay, okay. But if that is you, I want you to know that that the church is not about your feelings. There's no part about the church that is about your feelings because this is what we need to know when the last thing we want to do is wake up early and go to church and have a conversation with those people that we really don't like and have a conversation with those people that we don't really want to be around. And the last thing we want to do is just be seen 
Sometimes we want to escape and don't want to be seen by people. And I get that. I get all the excuses as to why we don't want to be in church on Sunday sometimes. But this is what we know to be true about the church. So the church is this. What is it supposed to be? It's your support group. It's your life group, guys. It is your encourager. It is your people of truth and trust. And even when we don't want to go, we need to be reminded that by going, you are surrounding yourself by people who are pointing you towards Jesus when Jesus is the last person that you want to encounter that day. Like this is why we need the church because guys, some days are hard. Some days are harder than others and we just need that encouragement. And whether we feel like it or not, those people come into our lives and speak truth to us and we desperately need them because that is the church. We are the church as a committed, baptized body of believers who are helping each other fulfill God's purpose for our lives. That is part of it. And we need that. And so when we don't feel like going to church on those days, man, we need it more than ever because it's all about God. It's not about you. And we desperately need to remember that. So I want us to go back to the questions at the very beginning of the, morning, of, the, of the night. It's like, what is the church? What is the church? Why does the church matter? Why should I care at all about the church? I mean, maybe I'm already Christian and so you're thinking, I don't need to go to church. The church is a place for lost people. And I'm gonna just tell you, that's a straight lie. Our society tells us a whole lot of things about who, what the church is and what our, part in it, what our part is in that. And that may be true and it may not be true, but what we know is true is scripture. And this is the church. It is a body of believers. And so if you're a Christian here tonight, you are part of the church. You are the church with a group of people around you who are here to encourage you and love you and support you in that. And that should excite you because you are not alone. The church is not a place to be made alone. It's not made up of one person. It's not just made up of me. It's not just Caleb. It's not just our pastor Heath. It's not just your super religious parents. It is a group of believers. It is a community of people wrapped around each other for the love and spreading of the gospel. God, we're, guys, we're called to change the world. Change the world and advance the gospel, and that is our mission. And so as we, the band's gonna come back up, and I'm gonna close this out in prayer. But there are two questions that I want you to think about as we do this, and they're not in your, in your notebooks, and so I want you to write these questions down. So I want you to talk about them in your breakouts. Question one is this. Do you see the church differently now than when you did when you came in the door tonight? Do you see the church differently now than when you did when you came in the door tonight? And then question two is this. Do you personally treat the church the same way Christ does? Do you personally care for the church the same way Christ does? Because guys, God loves his church because the church is his family. So he loves the church more than anything because outside of our salvation and our souls, the church is the only thing on the planet that is eternal. It is the only thing that will go from this life to the next because it is God's family. It is not a building. It is not an institution. It is not a place we go or an event we attend. It is a spiritual family that we belong to. And we need to understand that that is you and that is me and that is us together and not a single soul in this room tonight is is the church by themselves. And so we need each other. And so do you care for the church the same way Christ does? Father God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for these friends, for these guys and these girls who are here to, to deepen their relationship with you, who are here to have a good time, who are here to, uh, to make new friends. Uh, God, I thank you for just what you are doing in, the, in our lives. I thank you for the church. I thank you for the meaning of the church. I thank you for, for not just making it about a building, God not just making about how much money that, that we can give in our tithe, but it is, a, a, it is us. God, we are your family and we are your church. 
And that is so foundational. And I praise you for that. And thank you for allowing us to be a part of it. It's in your name we pray. Amen.